Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today, we are discussing Chapter 5 of Book 2 of The Two Towers, The Window on the West. Now, hopefully, you're familiar with the show in which I started off. Give it over to Katie for Elvish Word of the Day and Today in Middle-Earth. Then Chase lets us know what happened last week. Give us a little bit of a refresher. Then we spend most of the episode talking about this week's reading. Once again, Chapter 5, The Window on the West. At the end of the show, we do our favorites, both from this week in the reading and this week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. <laughs> All right. So today is Thursday, April 21st. And tomorrow may be Earth Day, but today is Middle Earth Day. So Katie, what happened uh, today All right. in Middle Earth? Well, uh, so I want to take us back just a couple days first off to uh, make note of on April 19th, the conspirators, if we will recall way back at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, um, were having their conspiratorial dinner. And uh, if we remember, Merry and Pippin and uh, Fatty Bulger as well were um, uh, privy to Frodo's plans uh, to leave. Um, but on this day, on April 21st, uh, we have some pre-Hobbit stuff and some end-of-Hobbit stuff that took place. Um, in the year 2841, Thrain leaves to reclaim the Lonely Mountain. Uh, in the year 2850, Gandalf returns to Dol Guldur and finds Thrain in the dungeon. Uh, and then in the year 2942, Bilbo and Gandalf are on the way home, and they find that old goblin stronghold where Bilbo, uh, uh, which led Bilbo to finding the ring. All right. I will say also, April 21st, my mom's birthday. So last week, we wished Chase happy birthday this week. If you'd wish my mom a happy birthday, she's pretty awesome. Happy birthday, John's happy mom. Happy birthday, John's mom. All right, Katie, uh, for Elvish Word of the Day, how do you say John's mom? <laughs> mm. uh, well, that's not the word that I picked, but I will tell you the word that I did pick. And uh, that is uh, dream, as in the noun dream. And in Quenya, it is olor. And in Sindarin, it is lore. All right. And actually, as we will discover later on in this chapter, uh, a certain Gandalf's name back in the West uh, is Oloren, which means dreamer. Indeed. All Maybe right. So lore like Data's brother. Uh, am I actually, no. able make, I'm actually able to make that pull? Weird. Lore like L-O-R, not L-O-R-E. E. Uh, oh. I will say Data lore, not a bad episode. Not, not a bad a episode, episode at all. Mm-hmm. Not the... Yeah, it's a good episode. Uh, but there is another podcast for Star Trek, and it is not us, unfortunately. <laughs> so, Chase, you want to catch us up with last week? Man, feels like a million years ago that we talked about Sam talking Gollum into getting him something suitable to eat <laughs> for uh, himself and Frodo. And Gollum came back with two rabbits. And he stewed up the rabbits and some herbs and demanded some taters, <laughs> but didn't get them. Yeah, it's not season for taters. And then we met Faramir. Mm-hmm. And that remind was... us who Faramir is. Uh, well, that's more stuff that happens in this chapter. We just know that he is some guy. He is a leader of a group of dudes from Gondor. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to be right. as non-specific as I can because we, we go into more about <laughs> yeah. Faramir in this episode. We're going we're gonna to jump into that here pretty quick. <laughs> yes, but Faramir is basically a Gondorian captain who is leading um, kind of a raiding party who's going closer to uh, Mordor to kind of prevent allies from reaching Sauron. Yep. So that's kind of where we left them off. Um, Faramir's Two of his his buds, uh, also rangers like Aragorn, had discovered Sam's camping fire, cooking fire, um, and caught Sam and Frodo. And and, and they saw an oliphant. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that part. They see a big battle take pl- well, a battle take place. Yeah, yeah. and w- one of the I was about to say one of the basically see an oliphant that just runs away. Mm-hmm. And Sam loses whatever is left of his innocence. <laughs> I think Sam. there's still some left. That's just me. 
Well, uh, a little bit, but little I bit. mean, he like saw a man die. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yes, that's where we left them off. Uh, we start off or we pick up back with them immediately there. Um, they had gone to sleep after the battle while the Rangers and the Gondorians were getting everything together. And when we come back to them, Sam has kind of woken back up and as happens a lot, they've kind of forgotten about Sam because people are more interested in Frodo. Uh, and Frodo is kind of in the middle, uh, of, of a semicircle of all the Gondorians. And it basically looks like he's being interrogated by Faramir. Right. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, so Sam, of course, here, here's what's going on. And Faramir wants to know, uh, why they, they set out from Rivendell. Um, what, what were those circumstances and also under what circumstances they parted with Boromir. Um, and Faramir also lets on that he knows of this prophecy that we've heard before from Boromir himself. Um, turns out Faramir had had this prophetic dream uh, several times, actually, and then Boromir had, had had it once. That dream involving um, that there's a halfling that's carrying something of great value, and then this mention of a Sealder's bane. And uh, the sword that will come back to Minas Tirith and all that stuff. Um, and but he's he's very interested in particularly in Isildur's bane, and he asks Frodo what 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 that is. And, and Frodo goes, nope, 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 yep. nope, 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 <laughs> nope, 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 not right now. Yeah, Frodo is very reluctant to give on too much information, um, but and and he basically kind of tries to give a very vague response that he's. He's on an errand to deliver this object elsewhere, basically. We have a thing that we need to take care of where the messengers don't mm. shoot the messengers. Yeah. Um, and Faramir does kind of a bit of clever sort of trickery here because, of course, uh, Faramir at this point knows that Boromir has died. Um, but Frodo doesn't. Frodo doesn't have this knowledge. Um, and Faramir tries to trick Frodo, mm-hmm. um, saying, "Oh well, when Boromir gets up or gets here, he'll clear everything up, uh, and and everything will be fine." And you know, of course, again, Frodo at this point doesn't doesn't know that Boromir is dead. And um, it's it's also we have a interesting look at Frodo's character too, because Frodo is trying really really hard not to say anything bad about Boromir. Yes, because yes. if we remember, they didn't exactly part they, on good terms. No. No, not at all. Um and specifically Boromir was basically physically threatening Frodo in a, an attempt to claim the ring for himself. Right. And and you know, so Frodo doesn't mention anything about this and and again tries tries not to speak ill of Boromir. Um and then finally, Faramir reveals that Boromir is dead. And and yeah, and he's like, well, because Faramir is kind of he he gets that Frodo is being a little cold, right. and so he says, you know, would you grieve to learn that Boromir is dead? And Frodo is like, I would grieve indeed, not realizing that this one was saying he was dead. It was. Frodo thought it was a rhetorical question, so he responds, I would indeed. Mm-hmm. And then it says that Frodo caught the look in Faramir's eye and then realized, dead? Do you mean that he is dead and that you knew it and you've been trying to trap me in words playing with me? Or are you now trying to snare me with a falsehood? And Faramir, to his, to his defense, says, I would not snare even an orc with a falsehood. Um, but yeah, Frodo at first doesn't realize that this means that Faramir or that Boromir right. is dead. Which that line also is one of the first um, kind of really great Faramir lines. We, we're, we're getting into these these next couple of chapters. Um, I'll, I'll just say Faramir is another one of my favorite characters in this entire story. Um, and we're going to get into uh, a, a bit of his really great character moments coming up. But that one, of course, is very... like instantly we see this there's a huge difference between the brothers because Boromir had always been this kind of brash you know 
um, like very strong, you know, captain ready to go gloriously into the battle. You know, I'm going to blow the horn and, and, and go gloriously into the battle, right? And Faramir is in stark contrast to that. Would, would you almost say that Boromir is a little... Uh, this might be a bad word for this, but a little bit more emotional? I would say that he's a little Boromir. Oh, God. We, uh, I... Uh, you're horrible. You're horrible. And uh, <laughs> it's fitting that Faramir is an attractive prince because he's a fair Amir. Okay. Oh, no. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> podcast done <laughs> we're quitting <laughs> uh, we thought i had a headache Ugh. no but i will say however that faramir is much more reflective and introspective also yes i, I should note that brother. he's not actually a prince no no no, no. he's the son of the regent because or remember the they're not the steward steward, the steward, steward. Of Gondor. Yes. because remember yeah that the line of kings hasn't hasn't been in the city for White and they go into some good detail on that stuff because I was a little flaky about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand what this whole stewardship meant, but they kind they describe it. They yeah they well were basically descended from Isildur's brother, right? Yes. Anarion. And so yes. not, not in the line for the throne. <laughs> and um, this goes into you know part of that ruin, um, not just Isildur's bane, but renewed will be blade that was broken. So mm-hmm. when they're discussing this, Frodo was like, oh yeah, that you know that was um. The Sealder Sword, and it has been remade, and Aragorn is wielding it. And mm-hmm. this gets along, or this gets back to the fact that Aragorn is the true heir to the King of Gondor. And Faramir mm-hmm. was talking about how Boromir always thought that it was unfair that his family had been stewards for like 2,000 years and, you know, asked mm-hmm. his father, you know, when will it be enough? And his father said, you know, Denethor said, you know, in, in other parts of the world, maybe 20 years, but in Gondor, but never. But not here. Yeah. yeah. And and Frodo was very quick though to uh to say of Boromir that of course Boromir was was loyal to Aragorn. Exactly. So he does he does credit him with that. So anyway, um, as as they're interrogating um Frodo, Sam does what he did in <laughs> the Council of Elrond, which is after he spends a lot of time kind of spying in the shadows, he like runs in the middle to defend Mr. Frodo. Because Frodo had just been basically accused of betraying Boromir. Yeah. Um, so after, you know, after this whole let out the news, Boromir is dead, um, there was a suggestion made that Frodo had betrayed him. And of course, yes, Sam immediately jumps to Frodo's defense. And uh, here we have it. It says, he planted himself squarely in front of Faramir, his hands on his <laughs> hips, and a look on his face as if he was addressing a young hobbit who had offered him what he called sauce and questioned about <laughs> visits to the orchard. I love that line about it's, sauce. It's, it, no, it's so great because you it's that's what you're picturing in your mind's eye is this t- you know diminutive person uh scolding these like very uh um I don't know how to describe that. I mean they they're described as like grave looking authoritative. men you know with like gleaming eyes. Author yeah, authoritative. And you have little little Sam <laughs> scolding them. Um, but yeah, we, we, we go on and Faramir next reveals to Frodo that Boromir was his brother. Um, which wasn't necessarily a big surprise, primarily because their names rhymed (laughs) and I've noticed trend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but this, you know, he says, Night off brings news to near kindred to said Boromir was my brother. And then he uh, describes what uh, ties into Katie's Elvish word of the day, which is possibly a dream or possibly reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Faramir is, is. It was fuzzy. It was really he fuzzy. Was, he was looking out um, on the water and then saw he said it he he couldn't you know it was this state of not really being able to tell if it was in 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 dreaming or in waking but seeing this boat uh that of course did not come from here kind of floating along and walk wading out to it and looking in and seeing basically a it's a burial um and that it was his brother's body 
and then with his sword and that the horn was broken well now but also no the horn then t- the horn wasn't with boromir though oh that's right i'm sorry it um, was found later yes but, but th- there's specific parts of his dream which match reality specifically the golden belt that boromir was given by galadriel Mm-hmm. as well as the boat itself being of the elvish make because mm-hmm. Frodo was like you know how would a body survive stay in a boat that went over uh the waters of Anduin and then they're like oh well and then Faramir's like oh well if this is an elvish boat as you say then like never underestimate elvish, ma- El- El- elvish magic mm-hmm. also never underrate elvish never underestimate Elvis magic because that comeback special in Vegas was truly incredible, <laughs> but never <laughs> underestimate the power of Elvish magic, which elves don't even really consider to be magic. But we've discussed once yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, that whole weird. <laughs> and then also, he also describes how before all of this, he heard, he thinks he heard a horn. Mm-hmm. He no, heard something no, not yet. Like th- not yet. That's not yet because Boromir. I mean, Faramir says, if you truly knew my brother, you will knew you will know that there is one symbol that he always had. Yeah. And Frodo uh, remembers the horn. Yes. And then this is where we get Then the he talks about mm-hmm. that. That's right. Yeah. And so Faramir tells that about hearing the horn and 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 seeing, you know, he'd been staring out at, at the sea. And this is, you know, wondering. This is the time he's wondering, is this a dream? Is this reality? Um and he sees Boromir's body with his sword, but without the horn. And um, Faramir says at that moment he knew that Boromir was dead. And Frodo kind of tries to disregard this. He tries to say, well, maybe, maybe this must have been just a vision. He says Boromir was going to go home. He was going to go across Rohan and come back to the city. He was going far away from water. Um, and then we have a, a moment where, so this, this moment ties us, um, from the end of the last book, uh, to this book now, because we, again, remember Frodo uh, until this point had no idea that Boromir had died. And we also really didn't grieve Boromir at the time, um, Again, mostly because there was that, that that kind of horrible episode, you know, that the Frodo and Boromir parting on sour terms. Um, people tend not to really grieve Boromir at that point. And I think at this point, especially when Frodo watches Faramir um, and he like he talks about seeing the grief in his eyes. Um, I think the reader as well has kind of kind of comes back, especially after hearing uh, Faramir speak of his brother. Uh, you y- you have a little bit more of a moment of grief for the character, and that this guy is genuine. Yeah, that this guy is not pulling like this is a good guy mm-hmm. who isn't he isn't trying to snare anybody, and he's kind of a man of his word in that he wouldn't try to trap somebody with something like this. Yeah. Uh, so. Basically, at this point, you know, Faramir still has a feeling that, you know, he doesn't have all of the information, but he can trust Frodo um, and he doesn't suspect him anymore of having betrayed his his brother or anything. Um, But he says he says he's going to take them to Minas Tirith. And uh, on the way, kind of tells Frodo uh he says well thank you for for being truthful um but he he kind of lets on that he knows they didn't really like his brother <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and this also yeah well this is after the yeah. trial yeah, whatever yeah. it was ended he says privately to to Frodo I don't know how you really feel about my brother but I can tell that you did not part yeah. well um, and that also is another moment where I think shows Frodo's strength of character for noticing the grief and love that Faramir had for his brother and for not, you know, speaking poorly of him and and uh, and, and blaming Boromir. Because he could have had, he, he, he could have said a lot of oh, yeah. things about Boromir in that moment. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. But Frodo, ever the like kindly heart uh, that we've seen. But I also I just like really liked this um, bit because you know Faramir is like saying, you, you know, he gives the history of the horn and his family how important it was, mm-hmm. and you know when you blow the horn in Gondor aid will always come and Fermier says like I think I heard it that day and Frodo is like oh yes that's when I was leaving like I like that synchronization of time yeah but then Fermier was you know he was like then the horn washed up cleaves in two why don't you feel bad about this Frodo and Frodo says something I really liked which was um will you not put aside your doubt of me and let me go I am weary and full of grief and afraid but I have a deed to do or to attempt before I too am slain and the more need of haste if we two halflings are all that remain of our fellowship yeah um because again at this point you know so now frodo has just learned boromir has died so he's wondering well did anybody else get out alive yeah and so but i also just like saying like you know if you thought that boromir died you know right it you know you if you're sad about the fact that he died then you have to respect the quest that i'm going on because boromir did yeah yeah that yeah um No, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I kind of distracted you because I, I glanced back and I was like, "Oh, right, I forgot to they, touch upon this." No, don't I mean. Um, don't they eventually make camp at some point? Yeah. So well, but ba- basically, he's like, "You're coming with us for a while." Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and Faramir continues to try to get more information about this Isildur's bane thing, um, and he. He, he knows this valuable object that Frodo's carrying is something of vast importance. And he also suspects that it was the cause of Boromir's death. And even at that moment, too, wasn't there a discussion about how, like, about, well, Isildur was killed by arrows or mm-hmm. orc arrows. And it's like, I'm pretty certain this isn't an arrow, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That might be later on, I can't remember. Yeah, well, and he also said, you know, that this Isildur's Bane, whatever this is, has caused a lot of conflict and strife among men in the past. Um, so he he knows that it's something... Um, uh, some, something that causes people, even good people, to do bad things. And then, I mean, this is, you know... Faramir is kind of settling down and respecting Frodo a little bit more and even says like I pressed you at first I pressed you hard at first but I still just bane forgive me it was unwise and such an hour in a place just, just sorry I didn't have a what <laughs> what you okay he apologizes yes he apologized you just stopped very yeah, briefly just, no right. I just couldn't hear you <laughs> oh I'm sorry yeah no like Faramir <laughs> apologizes at, at this time too like saying like okay I'm sorry I got wrapped up yes and he also I think at, at this at this point you know because Frodo tells him well no there wasn't any f- fighting or anything and so Faramir kind of accepts that uh, so if Isildur's Bane did lead to his demise Boromir brought it on himself mm-hmm. um and Faramir, this is really important because Faramir accepts that Boromir tried, the Boromir did, did a bad thing. This kind of like weird, like, I'm sad for my brother's loss, but I, if you told me he brought this upon himself, I could believe you. Mm-hmm. Like a knowledgeable understanding of his brother as a human being who had faults. Yes. Is an interesting added addition to for fear for, how do you say his name faramir faramir, faramir. okay and, and this yeah, is when we get to that point which we actually previously discussed but this is when we get to the part that faramir is actually talking about how boromir thought it was unfair that his family were only stewards and that boromir mm-hmm. kind of there was this inherent want of power in him mm-hmm. um and then you know frodo was quick to say well he did respect aragorn um, yeah. And then Faramir is like, but I stray and gives a little more history of the house of Denethor, uh, specifically talking about, and I love this, uh, how much, how many ancient things they have, uh, books and tables writ on withered parchment, yay, and on stone and on leaves of silver and gold and diverse characters. Some none can now read and for the rest few ever unlock them. 
I can read a little in them for I have had teaching. It was these records that brought the gray pilgrim to us. I first Mm -hmm. saw him when I was a child and he has been twice or thrice since then. So Frodo is like excited, like the gray pilgrim. Did he have a name? And Faramir's like, Mithrandir. We we called called him Mithrandir. Mm -hmm. And he was content. Many are my names in many countries. He said, Mithrandir among the elves, Tharkun to the dwarves, Aloran I was in my youth in the west that that is forgotten, in the south in Canus, in the north Gandalf, to the east I go not. So of course Frodo is happy to hear this. Mm -hmm. But what I like about this is he says, I first saw him when I was a child. Now this is a reference to the second chapter in Fellowship of the Ring, where there's that seventeen-year oh. gap. Yep. Oh! Did that just? Hit I you? didn't make that connection. <laughs> oh, this book is cool. Yep. So what we basically also learn a little bit through the the, the remainder of this chapter also is that uh, Faramir was somewhat of a pupil of Gandalf's at at some at some points. Um, he because he he wanted to learn as much as he could from. From from this gray traveler, um, and, yeah, and this nice is a touch. really big turning point in the relationship between Frodo and, and uh, Faramir because mm-hmm. they both now know that Gandalf really trusted the other one. Yes, yeah, which is exactly and, what Gandalf was sent to Middle Earth to do. He was sent yes. to foster connections between the mortal peoples of Middle Earth. Yes, if we remember once again, the Astari were sent. Their their Maiar, right? They were sent to bring out the best qualities and help to guide the free peoples of middle earth and yeah this is absolutely a mark of that great moment um but yeah they they you know going along this thing and of course we have another blindfold moment oh yeah where um the, the, the woods are kind of getting thinner and they're getting to a point where once again tres, trespassers or travelers are not allowed in this land so Faramir has to blindfold them because where we are going not even orcs know yeah and even if they did we would be able to fend them off for a long time so the you know the hobbits oblige and and, and even Faramir mentions I, I again this is another good mo- moment of Faramir's character he says I would trust you to just close your eyes but you know <laughs> then if you trip you're but just by reflexes you would open them so I'm sorry but we have to blindfold you it's law <laughs> and they get to this after a while they get to this just beautiful um, the way it was described was like a cave mm-hmm. and it had this waterfall running through the back Mm -hmm. and it was there was some great descriptions that i sadly cannot remember at this time uh, about the sparkling of light off of off of the walls and Mm -hmm. the water again water in lord of the rings it's important to always know just always beautiful well okay okay (laughs) it was they stood on a wet floor of polished stone the doorstep as it were of a rough hewn gate of rock opening dark behind them but in front of them but sorry, but in front, a thin veil of water was hung so near that Frodo could have put an outstretched arm into it. It faced westward. The level shafts of the setting sun behind beat upon it, and the red light was broken into many flickering beams of ever-changing color. It was as if they stood at the window of some elven tower, curtained with threaded jewels of silver and gold and ruby, sapphire and amethyst, all kindled with an unconsuming fire. Yeah. So and amazing. Faramir uh. calls this the window of the sunset. Um, but the author or the narrator calls this the window on the west. The window on the west, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so you know, they, he offers them food and drink. And um, while they eat, then now Faramir kind of goes into this story about kind of the, for, the former glory of Gondor and um, how it has come to weakness and come into decay. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a, there's a great... Uh, bit where he talks about um, oh no it's after this I'm sorry he's going into all of this this you know history of Gondor and and, and its glory um, and Sam kind of while this is going on accidentally blurts out uh, what Frodo had previously kept secret <laughs> and that Boromir had tried to take the ring uh... well before we get to this I just want to say one quick thing about the window on the west which is that Faramir says that the ancient Gondorians had actually altered the the path 
of this stream, which is the stream that begins at the tower, mm-hmm. and they had created this window. So, like, this is a man-made thing. So it's 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 very important that the narrator compares this to Elven Beauty, knowing that it's a man-made thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, okay. and yeah, I wonder if we remember, you know, the the splendor of Gondor in the old days, the the ta- the both of the towers and everything. The city is immaculate. One of yeah, one of uh, yeah. It was incredible. Yeah yeah <laughs> word that's a, i was wanting to find a word that's a good one um so anyway yeah they go going having this conversation and sam accidentally blurts out boromir tried to take the ring and uh faramir is kind of taken aback but he also appreciates the honesty and it's this moment when he pretty much tells them flat out i have no interest in in in, in yeah. taking it um <laughs> And and then Faramir also has this great passage where he's talking about talking about the, the city and the glory of the city and wanting to protect it. And and the the the, the kind of sad and unfortunate necessity of war in order to protect the city. Um, and I I really liked this what does he say he says um you know he 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 would prefer to see the city back in its old glory um he says um i would see the white tree and flower again in the courts of the kings and the silver crown return and minas tirith in peace minas honor again as of old full of light high and fair beautiful as a queen among other queens not a mistress of many slaves nay not even a kind of mistress of willing slaves War must be while we defend our lives against a destroyer who would devour all. But I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only that which they defend, the city of the men of Numenor, and I would have loved her for her memory, her ancientry, her beauty, and her present wisdom. Not feared, save as men may fear the dignity of a man old and wise. I just love that passage, and I think, again, it's just... Uh, such a reinforcement of i mean these are similar um sentiments about the city that boromir and faramir have but delivered in such a different way and from such a different perspective i feel well what's interesting is you can almost read into faramir as he his want to protect his land and his city and his want to be restored can in turn be a avenue or beacon to to push for basically the same thing being said about middle earth as a whole mm-hmm. at this time uh it's like people it's it's hard to try and like save the world mm-hmm. but it's very easy to think of i will save my city i mm-hmm. will save my land and then by extension the world is saved within that mm-hmm. that's what i got from that yeah. I just like that he said he would rather see the white tree or flower again, specifically because the white tree is my favorite imagery in like all of these books. Oh yeah, oh so. yeah. The white tree is one of the best one of the best parts that we'll have to talk about extensively as well. But after all of this distrust and then blindfolding them and showing them something beautiful, they finally. Uh, Faramir like finally makes it up to the hobbits and that he gives them a meal mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. that is amazing like I was reading this and I got hungry <laughs> best meal they'd had in a very very long time and, put those rabbits to shame and then also it's important he says uh, now we, we need to have a discussion now because you shouldn't go to bed so soon after eating uh, good meat that we've had so that's why they have this nice kind of long discussion Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also during this discussion so Faramir knew that Boromir was dead, which Frodo did not. But Frodo knew that Gandalf, Gandalf had was fallen. dead. Mm-hmm. Had fallen, yes. Mm-hmm. Which Faramir did not. So then kind of Faramir realizes the like, intensity and severity of the situation even more. And then kind of tr- trusts Frodo a little more because he knew that the... I mean, Gandalf laid down his line, life for this 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 hobbit Mm -hmm. but also like just knowing the situation that they had gone through like the severity of it 
Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's another line that Faramir has, and I, I, uh, it's, you know, kind of after this whole blurting out of the Boromir tried to take the ring thing, um, and he, he is again talking about the old kind of former glory of Gondor and how it fell into decay. And I always take that as a uh, kind of like a veiled comment on his brother's, um, downfall. Um, he said, he's, Faramir says, the old wisdom and beauty brought out of the West remained long in the realm of the sons of Elendil the Fair, and they linger here still. Yet even so, it was Gondor that brought about its own decay, falling by degrees into dotage, and thinking that the enemy was asleep, who was only banished and not destroyed. And so he was kind of saying, you know, that the city had kind of forgotten to protect, to defend itself. And so even things of great glory can fall into decay, even people who are good can fall into corruption. Well, and like specifically with reference to human history, you know, this is the story of, or this is the history of empire. Mm-hmm. Every great human civilization has eventually falled for no other reason than that they became complacent. Yeah. And that's kind of what Faramir is looking at. Exactly. Um, and at the very end of this chapter, there's also a really nice moment between Sam and Faramir. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted um, to talk about that as well because to fin- to, to finish on that, Frodo yeah. because is I mean, what you notice about the two towers? I mean, book two of the two towers. Why we you know at this point in the book, you know, we're we're halfway through book two. This is not a book that is about Frodo. This is a book that is about Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Frodo has been on a stupor staring at the floor for most of the time. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I mean, who can blame him because he's no. carrying the ring? But by this point, you know, at the end of the chapter, Frodo has passed out. Yeah. And so this is where we get this moment between Faramir and Sam. Yeah. And Faramir kind of commends Frodo, noting as other characters have before, that Frodo has this very uh, almost kind of like elvish sort of air about him. Um, he, com- he compares him a little bit to an elf and he com- he commends Frodo. He says, you know, your master is very wise. And Sam in turn really commends Faramir. He says, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of Gandalf. Yeah. He's a nice bit. And I think again, knowing what we know about Faramir and in his childhood, uh, wanting to learn as much as he could from, from Gandalf. I think that's a pretty cool little connection. But Faramir responds and says, maybe, yeah. maybe you discern from far away the air of Numenor. Good night. Yep. <laughs> but it was just, it's so lovely because they're both kind of bestowing their highest honors. Yeah, definitely. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, both yeah. of these compliments are in the highest regard, really, that these people could give, I think. Yeah, it, it was just, it was very beautiful. It, you know that there's, or at least I feel like there's still a little bit of distrust between them mm-hmm. but there's also this newly cultivated respect mm-hmm. maybe not distrust but they don't fully understand each other i think that uh pretty much everyone is constantly on edge and wary and if yeah. and we have to remember as well that you know uh faramir and his group basically are a uh, attempting to protect like being a last uh, standing protection against um, against invasion of their city. So well, they're at the edge of the storm. Yeah. They're at the breaking point. They're at the far edge of the world in many ways. Like they are Mordor is right there. Yep. They have, they're understandably, beaten down primarily because that's where that's the cesspool where the enemy is coming out at and they should constantly be on edge but it's but it's nice to have this moment where even with that just ever so slight not really distrust but um caution that they have that they still have this have found this great mutual respect yeah so with that 
Any favorites? Um, I think my favorite part from this chapter is... Um, it's so hard to pick very specifically because, again, there, there are so many things that Faramir says that I just really like. Um, I, I I think I really like his talking about the unfortunate and sad necessity of war um, that, that he will undertake if only to protect the city that he loves. I have a very specific favorite. So when they brought Frodo and Sam to this cave um, and said dinner will be ready in a while... Frodo took a nap, but Sam didn't because <laughs> Sam didn't want to sleep away his hunger. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, right before dinner, they bring kind of a bucket of cold water to Sam so he could kind of wash up. And it says that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam, not being uh, not used to being waited on, looked with some surprise at the tall man who bowed, holding a basin of water before him. Put it on the ground, master, if you please, he said. Easier for me and you. Then to the astonishment and amusement of the men, he plunged his head into the cold water and splashed his neck and ears. Is it the custom in your land to wash the head before supper, said the man who waited on the hobbits. No, before breakfast, said Sam. But if you're short of sleep, cold water on the necks like rain on a wilted lettuce. (laughs) There, now I can keep awake long enough to eat a bit. Yeah. Oh, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty great. And there were also just a couple of funny little bits kind of exchanging of of culture between them like is this how is this customary in your in in where you come from well not really but here uh, but and and then like also like the knowing that like everybody bowing low to each other is always something that uh, i i like when it's pointed out in the text like you know as is customary <laughs> yes yeah oh sam <laughs> sam 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 what was your favorite? Oh Chase? yeah, um, <laughs> my favorite bit was the we read it out, which was the description of the window to the west. Mm. We don't need to repeat it. That was just a beautiful, vivid description of uh, not only just light reflecting off the the water, but also refracting through it. Is it's wonderful, wonderful mm. stuff from Tolkien. Yeah. My office is just a couple blocks from the Hudson River and there aren't any buildings between that are like tall enough to obscure our view. And at in the evening, the sun as it's setting, like the orange rays like pierce all the way through the office and it's beautiful. Oh man. And it kind of made me think of um, this bit in the chapter when I saw it happen. I was like, oh yeah, man, sunsets are so pretty and living in New York city, you never see them. So, <laughs> so I was, anyway, I was just reminded, I was, I was watching. I was rewatching uh, what we do in the shadows today, and the part where they're the vampires are watching sunrises on YouTube. I was just reminded of that. God, I love that movie so much. <laughs> um, well, here and here we are segueing into our favorites outside of the world of Tolkien. Uh, I've got a couple. One, listening to your review of my Big Fat Greek Wedding two on the last podcast made me go see the movie, and I know it's like weird that I was there when you recorded it. And didn't see the movie until I listened yeah. to it again. <laughs> um, I went with my friends. Like like you said, it's more of the same. It's pretty dumb. But if it's your thing, it's your thing. And I had so much fun. Um, other than that, I have two recent podcast episodes I'd like to recommend. The 99% Invisible Vox Ex Machina was really interesting. Um, kind of about the history of cryptography and World War II. Specifically related to... Um, live voice-to-voice transmission. It was really interesting. And also the only human episode, Doctor Stories, The Patient I'll Never Forget. Um, It made me cry. (laughs) It was like, you know, you know it's a good podcast episode when you're sitting on like a crowded subway and like crying. Oh, yeah. So it was just, this specific episode was doctors, you know, obviously talking about like the patients who have made like a big impact on them. And the last story was so emotionally moving not in a sad way in a very profound way so check those out 99 pi vox ex machina only human episode doctor stories hmm well i haven't watched them yet but both um 
Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and How to Get Away with Murder have season two on Netflix now. Um, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That's oh, my man. thing from I'm this halfway week. Through, I'm halfway through Kimmy Schmidt. It's very different. Yeah, it is different. Because the episode lengths are a lot longer. Because, um, you know, the first season was made for mm. NBC and then picked up yeah. by Netflix. Uh, it's It's different. You, it feels different, but not in a bad way. One of my favorite things from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, because I'm halfway as well, and it took me about two episodes to kind of get back in the groove of things, but I like that Titus is singing more. In fact, there's a whole episode just devoted, devoted to mostly Titus singing. I'm looking that forward to that. Great. Oh my god, and the, the parodies of musical theater standards in that are amazing. They are great. Also, Lillian's ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's one. Yeah, there's easily one of the best episodes of the entire show that's already happened in this season. Yeah. I'm excited. So if you don't already watch Kimmy Schmidt, do so. <laughs> um, one more thing making me happy. Uh, as you're listening to this episode, it is likely that I am on a bus to Boston where I'm spending the weekend with my best friends going to... Oh, well, you two are <laughs> my best friends. My New York City best friends going to PAX East. Uh, always fun. If any of you are there, yeah. look out for me. Uh, I have gray, bluish hair. I will probably be wearing green at some point. Uh, the only favorite things that I've got is, well, I'll start with this one. I'll just briefly mention not be <laughs> someone who rubs things in other people's heads, but the Blue Jays <laughs> beat out the set of games against the Yankees this past week. Go Blue Jays! Uh, winning 2-3 to three against the Yankees. That was pretty good. However... To, to be to yeah well you know what a Balrog also killed Gandalf <laughs> well to be fair the the Blue Jays did lose to Boston shortly after that twice in a row so which yeah. is super my Tigers have been up and down they yeah. they're they're doing pretty well so hey, far but I'll, I'll tell you who's probably really happy now the Washington Nationals fans because the Washington Nationals are doing really well right now uh, you mean the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> But the big thing that's making me happy this week is um, uh, a video game I'm looking very forward to for a while now came out, and I have played a ton of it since it came out, um, which is Dark Souls 3, which I have talked about my love of that <laughs> on this show before. And it is, weirdly enough, kind of moving to me because I feel like some aspects of what we're reading in Lord of the Rings is connected with that because mm-hmm. that series is all about the Dark Souls series is all about cycles and things repeating in themselves. And then this third game is kind of going back to places in the first game and it's freaking me out. It's weird feeling nostalgic for something that, you know, happened two years ago, but <laughs> still. Are we allowed to be nostalgic about that yet? But it's, it's all great. right. Well, I just realized with all of this discussion of baseball, maybe we should rename <laughs> our show. Get it, get it, get it. Rings and diamonds. Oh, no. Or maybe no, diamond rings. That's not a thing. That's, <laughs> no. <laughs> Tolkien and baseball. Or you could just have your own podcast, Katie, Talking Tigers. Talking Tigers. <laughs> talking Tigers. I'll do that. <laughs> you get, speaking of talking, you know who we did not talk about once this episode? Who? Oh, Golem. Smeagol. Golem well, slash Smeagol. <laughs> yes. Slinker and stinker. Indeed. But perhaps we will next week when we discuss chapter six, The Forbidden Pool. There was one part where Sam thought he saw a dark figure following them, <laughs> but that was about it. The only mention. I'm kind of happy yep. in a way because I feel like we needed to take a break from Gollum for a little while. <laughs> Even though he wasn't. That's that's mean, right? To say. <laughs> Gollum, was it? Gollum is a. Um... He's a he he's a he's a complex individual and the <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry Chase you just said take a break from Gollum that's mean isn't it and then I thought of the scene in my big fat Greek wedding too where Tula decides <laughs> to take a break from caring for her parents and they go on the date and then they have sex in the car in front of the house and then her uh, whole yep, family shows up yep. and like what are you doing yeah <laughs> sorry to derailed that Katie it's fine I'm just all over the place because I decided last time was a good idea to mix tequila vodka yeah. whiskey and beer and wine we we all went out and celebrated Chase's birthday last night and 
Yeah. I think the ice cream is what would actually set me off. I <laughs> All think of that's the sugar. What, that killed me. So much sugar. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> uh, but anyway, once again, before we go, I'd like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. We really do appreciate your support. Um, let me find my list. She says, there we go. So thank you once again to Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Ji Ying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, Micah, and Devin Mann. We really we do. do appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. It's awesome that we can say that we're a listener-supported yes. podcast. Like... It makes me Programming feel really brought to you by listeners by you. <laughs> Wait, that was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 